0: yeah everything's working in that case it's gasparilla sunday
1: right over here in ybor city where it all began at 1714 (laughs) 7th avenue in ybor city it's time to jump
0: into the rotation extra ones
1: there Wow, that just gave my heart a flutter. Well, we're here today with a special guest coming up soon, Commissioner Nikki Fried. But for now, let me introduce myself. We are the masters of the universe. I am Gary Stein, the political director hey, and master hey. of public health. My co host <laughs> and deputy director is Carlos Angel Jose Ermita, the master of business administration. And from above <laughs> the beltway, Hitting above the beltway is, is our executive director, Chris Kano, our master of public administration. And we are the masters of the cannabis industry. And we are here in beautiful Chillum Gallery on a beautiful day where you cannot even possibly tell that yesterday was Gasparilla because they just finished cleaning up all the garbage.
0: Yeah. You could totally tell like 20 minutes ago, though. This place was gross. There there's <laughs> pizza and sadness all over the street.
1: But was Pizza Rat visiting us by any chance? <laughs> Or a piece of chicken, I guess, would be over in Ybor City. I can just see one of those chickens dragging a piece
0: of pizza down the street. Uh, what if it's like a chicken pizza? That would work out that, very well. That'd be gross. would well, be well, cannibal chickens.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Spe- speak- well. Speaking of chicken dropping, uh, <laughs> what's going on in D.C.?
2: Well, you know, uh, D.C. is D.C. There's always wheeling and dealing uh, behind the scenes. And I think, you know, right now uh, it's really a a concern that uh, we get legalization done before the midterms. I know that um, a lot of folks on the left want to hold President Biden accountable for his promises of legalization, of decriminalization, of rescheduling, of expunging records. Carlos, I believe there's some links where folks can uh, click an action alert. They can send a message to President Biden. You want to run run, one of those across the screen? Um, There you go. There we go. All right. right, Tell President Biden follow through on his commitment to expunge marijuana records. I think that is vitally important. Also, uh, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is teaming up. AOC is teaming up with some Republicans to present a bipartisan bill that will empower states to do the same thing and to forgive and and uh, and and uh, go ahead and expunge records. It's called the Hope Act, Carlos. I think we got a link for that too. You want to flash that across the screen for folks?
0: So, uh do, 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 what is what's going on here? I'm I'm sorry, I'm not prepared. So uh, the uh, Hope Act. There we go. Yeah. What is the we'll chance it. of getting Congressman Mays on, <laughs> on the show?
2: So, you know, uh, we will continue to do all we can to invite uh, special guests and elected officials on. Uh, for the last couple of weeks, you know, we've had uh, Rep Learning, we have Rep Rico. Today, we have the Florida Commissioner of Agriculture and candidate for Governor of Florida, Nikki Free, joining us and jumping into rotation here shortly. So, we will continue to endeavor to invite any and all politicians who want to jump the rotation and, and bring their views uh, to our listeners and to the folks uh, at home. You know, there's some also interesting things uh, developing in that there have been some studies that have come out recently and some court cases that folks should know about. But one study I want to take a moment to real quick and pause on is that medical cannabis treatment reduces daily morphine intake in chronic pain patients. This is coming out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania according to data published in the Journal of Pain Physician. uh, They actually examined a cohort of 115 uh, chronic pain patients. The majority of folks are between the ages of 50 and 70 and it actually showed that there was a 60 7% 7% average decrease in uh, patient uses of morphine uh, when those were uh, utilizing medical cannabis. And so I think that chronic pain, which is something that I did a webinar earlier this week on Wednesday on, is, is really something that is helping a lot of patients, especially a lot of elderly folks, folks who um, suffer from neuropathy, folks who suffer from fibromyalgia, other types of chronic pain conditions. And it's really important uh, with the opioid crisis being what it is, with the addiction rates being so high what it is, that folks find relief in a non-addictive manner. And cannabis is really providing that relief. Now, morphine at
1: this point in time is normally uh, ascribed towards uh, palliative care and, uh, and, and hospice use. But there is still use within, uh, within uh, medical circles in regards to pain, even though it is for many people that may doctors is really not a bridge they want to go to.
2: Well, you know, there, Gary, we, we've tried to address this in our Patient Protection Act in that there are some pain management doctors who don't like the fact that the kickbacks that they get from the pharmaceutical companies to prescribe these pills aren't going to be there because they know they're not getting kickbacks from the MMTCs, the Medical Cannabis Centers, So they don't have a financial incentive in many ways uh, to want to go down the rabbit hole of, of doing what they need to do to prescribe medical cannabis to their patients and there's a significant number of doctors in this country that are undereducated when it comes to the effects of medical cannabis. We've had earlier uh, this year some great doctors come on the show like Dr. Barry, uh, Dr. Block. And I think it's important that uh, we continue to focus on physician advocacy and physician um, you know, education, because most recently, uh, A longitudinal study came out to show that cannabis impacts on lung health are distinct from tobacco. And that is something that uh, has always gotten uh, bundled up in the just say no movement is that, you know, oh, uh, well, cannabis is is much more dangerous, much more addictive or much more damaging on the lungs than tobacco. And a study coming out of New Zealand actually showed that smoking cannabis long term is not associated with the same physiological consequences on lung health as tobacco smoking. According to the American Journal of Respiratory and Critical Care Medicine. And this was through a team of researchers in New Zealand examining the long-term effects of smoking, cannabis and or tobacco among 881 middle-aged adults.
0: What you got? You got a dog playing in the background there, you know? I got a
2: dog fight in the background. I got two big bullies, you know, just going at it. it is, it's okay. Hey, hey, hey. Go to your cage. Thank you. Have an edible. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> So, uh, you know, and then going back to looking at some of the other things that have happened recently, just give a quick update. Uh, in the state of South Carolina, they actually are moving forward uh, with the medical marijuana bill, and it is very restrictive. It actually looks a lot like our bill here in Florida did uh, when they initially pushed it through. It, 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 uh you know, it's very limited. It's not going to allow for uh, smoking. It's not going to allow for home growing. And uh, there's going to be a major concern. It, 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 it was as, far as folks who get medical marijuana ID cards uh, have been forced to give up their guns and their Second Amendment rights. And so it seems like, for every two steps forward, this is a bill that's going three steps back. And so I'm glad that we've had Commissioner Freed as the Commissioner of Agriculture here in Florida. because. The commissioner of agriculture oversees the concealed weapons permits. And mm. as a medical marijuana patient herself, she's taken a very liberal stance on whether or not you have the right to you know, have your medicine and have your firearms. And I say a liberal stance, but it's actually much more conservative if you think about it. Uh, nothing should abridge your Second Amendment right in this country, other than the fact that you become a felon and lose that right. And so I think it's important that we have a commissioner of agriculture who interprets and is willing to still give out, uh, you know, concealed carry permits and, and gun registrations to medical marijuana patients. Because you have a chronic debilitating condition, should, you know, physically should not preclude you from being able to protect your family or yourself. And we shall not be a bridge, shall we? <laughs> exactly. And, you know, one other interesting development that I wanted to update the folks on, uh, Gary, you and I have been working for the past few years to get worker protections for medical marijuana patients Absolutely. passed through the Florida legislature. Well the New Hampshire Supreme Court just ruled this week in favor of employment protections For its medical cannabis patients, and I, I, you know, as as much as I would wish we could get the legislative solution to this, I also wish we had a Supreme Court that was, uh, you know, preconditioned or or, you know, willing to take a look at this. But what they ruled were is that people who participate in their state's medical cannabis program, which is around ten thousand people. Qualify under the law as individuals with a disability, and therefore employers must make reasonable accommodations for them. In a unanimous decision, they ruled that providing the defend uh, providing folks with an exception to the company's medical uh, a, a company's marijuana drug testing policy is considered a reasonable accommodation. And there's nothing explicitly in statute that excludes the use of therapeutic cannabis as an accommodation. So I think that uh, kudos to New Hampshire Supreme Court for ruling in this case. Here in Florida, we need the same thing. So we're continuing to push for a legislative fix. Uh, You know, we definitely want to elect a governor who would be willing to, to address this and, you know, One of the things that really pisses me off this week, and Carlos, if you want to run the link on the screen, is Governor DeSantis, when asked in the press, uh, is he in favor of recreational marijuana, said no, it should remain illegal because it's funky, because it stinks, (laughs) because it has a putrid odor. And as someone who we all know has smoked pot before, damn you, Governor DeSantis, you lying, wreckedy bastard for being a pothead (laughs) who would say that weed stinks. I do not like you for that hypocritical stance. It is stance. like now, let's they're running
0: out of shit. They're running out of shit to say. Like, at some point, they're just going to be like, we don't want marijuana legalized because it's icky.
1: Now, let's, let's, <laughs> let's be certain. The, word, the, the definition of a putrid is a smell coming from decomposing matter. Oh. Now, so- grant you that some of the MNTCs are selling stuff that's just that bad. But in general, cannabis here, I don't think smells putrid. It doesn't smell like it's, uh, it's moldy and dying. Like again, like um, except for some of the booths that some of the MMTCs are selling
0: right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let me get my corporate. So maybe booth he's
1: talking up. about a particular MMTC when he's mentioning that. I don't. I couldn't tell you. Or maybe he's just every time he smells it is when he's going by the dump. Sorry, maybe
0: maybe if he had more MMTCs in this uh, state, maybe the smell would be better, DeSantis. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe, but for some odd reason. Uh, we haven't gotten any new dispensaries since he gave out the last ones in 2018. I think was the last one, and yeah. that that again was was not through the application process, but through the the legal process because
0: they had they had uh, lawsuits against the state. He did that weird phony thing where he was like uh, he allowed smoking or called for, con- or the the legislator to to allow smoking, and then uh, yeah, he didn't do shit. He even said during, like, I swear, he said during that press conference that there was a cartel over the the cannabis industry. Like, this guy knows what's going on, and he's just fucking us over.
1: Just so you know, we did get a notice from uh, Nikki. She had to deal with a personal matter this morning, and she's going to try to get on later on the show. So we... We will continue to fill the, the air with useless knowledge between now and then. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, hopefully we can present some knowledge to folks and they can find some use for it. So. Well, I was really
1: excited about that, that New Hampshire uh, Supreme Court thing. We can't get a unanimous decision from our court here in, in, in Tallahassee. Our Supreme Court, who was filled with, with um, conservative judges, were put on by the last two governors on any kind of thing. They can't even give a straight unanimous know, opinion on whether or not the Capitol is still in Tallahassee. That's just <laughs> the case that we are. But they actually said uh, that it is definitely an accommodation which has to be done. And that is exactly what, what the gist of our bill is. Now, we haven't gotten our two, our two bills in the House and the Senate into committee yet, and we still have to get that done by putting it into health policy, which is the first committee for, for that one. And just so you know, that is Senators Broder and, uh, and Manny Ortiz. Cortez, rather. So feel free to send them as many letters as you like. Uh, don't go by email. S- to actually send them an actual physical letter, so they will actually read it, because a lot of things get lost in the shuffle of emails. But they need to get it put on there. And what Senator Polsky had told me, besides the fact that she still does not excuse um, <laughs> Dr. Latipo for not putting on the mask when she walked when he walked into her office, nor did he accept his uh, her uh, his answer at the last uh, Senate hearing. But um, she was saying that right now they're saying that the, the the employment bill makes the folks in health policy
2: uncomfortable. Uncomfortable? How about losing your job because you're a medical marijuana patient? That'll make you uncomfortable. Being homeless because you know you have a chronic debilitating condition that makes you uncomfortable. These goddamn politicians. And you know how right. the folks and in so telehealth don't want anybody to feel uncomfortable that's
1: why they they're saying we need to whitewash history so that everybody feels very comfortable in in listening about uh, George Washington and the cherry tree which was a blatant lie
0: so so they're more comfortable firing people for medical marijuana yeah that's their comfort factor that's their comfort factor maybe they we need to them- be able to fire people for smoking weed well maybe we should give them a fear factor <laughs> it's kind of an inside joke i don't know if we should do inside jokes <laughs> On the show,
1: no. I mean, <laughs> we we could we could go into Joe Rogan, but I think that once we get in, we're we we're, we're going to want to get
0: out.
2: <laughs> I just find it that's ironic that, that that you can you know load up on opioids and go to work, but God forbid you smoke a joint when you get home, and and then you you know they, they drug test you at work and you get fired. That, that's that's yeah. that's just ludicrous.
1: I love the commercial watching the guy with a hard hat at a construction site. And he's talking about uh, opioid uh, constipation. And so what we're saying is this guy who works construction site is is on opioids, opiates, and nobody's bothering him. The only big problem they have is his constipation, not the fact that he's on opioids. He could possibly kill somebody or get killed.
0: Well, you know, constipation, once you got to go, you got to go, man. You're like operating a forklift or a crane or something, and you got diarrhea, you could kill somebody. Yes, forklifts and and
1: diarrhea do not mix. Imagine if you, if you heard of hear diarrhea first.
0: and you were smoking a blunt. Oh my god, <laughs> you're killing me, Smalls. You're killing wow. me. You're killing oh, me. you guys are just not laughing at anything today.
1: Oh no, that's, I'm laughing on the inside.
2: No, I'm, I'm <laughs> sitting there imagining it being on, on in a porta potty on a construction site with a blood in my mouth and, and just funking it up.
0: <laughs> that's what I'm
2: thinking about right now, Carlos.
1: You know, porta potties have a, have a putrid smell to them. You know that.
0: Uh, is there I, something they, dying in a port potty you, know,
2: yeah. you know what has a putrid smell to it? The bullshit coming out of Governor DeSantis's <laughs> mouth has a putrid smell to it. Or the bullshit coming out of our committee chairs in Tallahassee by not giving our medical marijuana patient protection and employment protection bills a hearing or the, or, or daylight. That's a putrid smell if I'm concerned with anything. Yeah. With, with all due respect to our, our, our current
1: governor, uh, he spent his entire first year building political capital he got he got flour legalized so that we could go ahead and and, and quadruple the industry here in the state of Florida essentially, and then he took that political capital and he spent it on uh, on crack. Or bad bad legislature, I should say.
2: Who? <laughs> what? All I heard was crack, Gary. You distracted me. Talking there? about Sorry. that
1: Marion Barry guy. Oh, I, I like Marion Barry. I, mean, I, I was working in D.C. when he was mayor. Oh, really? That was very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> He, when he got out of jail, by the way, he uh they gave they gave him a Cadillac to drive around in, and he had somebody plant some cocaine in the uh, glove compartment, and he'd say, "I can't, I can't keep this car. It's tainted by like, by cocaine. Somebody put it in there. I'll just sell it," and he kept the cash. Oh, <laughs> so that, that's that's Marion Barry for you. God bless his heart.
0: Well, Marion Barry would definitely do a better job than Ron DeSantis. Yeah, but I'm
1: wondering what he would have done with the uh, the current. Washington D.C. rules and regulations or or push for statehood like what's going on right now. What is going on with with statehood in D.C. by the way?
2: Well, you know, uh, statehood in D.C. is an interesting concept. You know, it would change American electoral politics, which is why when we're so close in this two-party system, a razor-thin majority is hold for one party or the other from election to election adding two more senators, uh, which clearly would end up swinging, uh, you know, to the to the blue side of the aisle, is something that, you know, the, the existing uh, structures in, in D.C. don't necessarily want to do. It's the same thing with statehood for Puerto Rico. I mean, if the Democrats were able to add four more U.S. senators, that would, that would definitely swing things, you know, in their way for a very long time. You're going to see conservatives continue to put up that fight, which is sad because the people in D.C., even on the license plates, it says end taxation without representation. <laughs> and so you see that there is close to a million people living in, in Washington, D.C., who have no representation in the United States Senate, yet they pay taxes and such. And, and there are more people that are represented there than there are in, in certain states like
0: the Dakotas and such. Yeah, most of them in, in north, northeast, and southeast DC. You know, I don't know if you guys are reading the comments, but we're getting a lot of comments saying that we need to that we need to stop talking and vote out these politicians. But I don't think people understand what's going on here in Florida and the fact that, like, I honestly, like, I am scared shitless. I talked about this a little bit with. Uh, this is true. He has yes, no shit. I but I'm scared shitless. Seriously though, Gary, like, come on, man. There, there are so many conservatives that have just moved to Florida, Yeah, so many conservatives, and it was so hard to get a, 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 a vote on anything uh, liberal. I don't, I don't know what the liberal-minded, I guess, would be the right way to say it, but it was so hard to get a vote for, it, for anything that was progressive, if well, you will.
1: On the positive side, after, after Maria, a lot of people from Puerto Rico were forced to move to Florida, mm-hmm. and they are more on the progressive side than the, than the Cuban population in Miami no offense
0: yeah but no no <laughs> i i fucking get it like believe me like my parents have a hard time listening to the show but <laughs> it's the media no
1: chase versus the uh, the cuban sandwiches but, That's
0: basically what it's all about but before the pandemic everything was very 50 50 and now there's a lot of people that are moving to florida because they hate masks and they're they they love desantis and the the non-regulations that he have has and like it's 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 Scary to me that a lot of people think that we would be able to vote these politicians out that are fucking things over because I think a lot of people that are have these fucking bad ideas have just moved into the state.
2: Well, Carlos. Also, the big issue right now is redistricting. That's the big fight that is going to set the stage for the next ten years. Every ten years, after U.S. Census, we just had one in 2020, politicians meet and they redraw the lines. And the sad part is, is that whatever who's ever in power are the ones drawing the lines for themselves. So mm-hmm. here in Florida, the GOP is now getting to pick its own voters. It's going to be able to figure out, oh well, if we draw these lines this certain way, we can cheat. You know, our Rivals across the aisle out of a seat, you know, and that's why we have these districts that can stretch six and seven counties in this state. And it's like, why do these people in these seven counties have in common? Well, what they have in common is someone who represents that area that wants to stay in power and that Mm -hmm. doesn't want to get elected. So in, in, in most of our seats in Florida, when you hear that, let's vote them out. It's, it's they're not battleground seats. There's no possible way to vote folks out when they are, have already slanted and drawn, you know, a vast majority of voters that are going to vote for them anyways. And of course, with re- redistricting right now, so, it's going to become even harder
1: because some of the, the maps, the Senate one's not bad. The House one, eh. the, the governor's one, I think, is, is uh, ready to talk trash.
0: So wait, so you guys are saying that even though like we I started this whole rant thing uh scared shitless that it's even worse than I thought. Yes, you're welcome. very, very much. much. Well, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> very much, so, Carlos. So not are there more now not only are there more conservative voters coming in here, but now the conservatives have the ability to decide where these contra- concentration of voters are and where their voice, if you will yeah i mean think about
2: it they can draw their own districts so you know if you have a you know, a conservative senator from Polk County who doesn't want all this urban sprawl and, in, in you know, uh, coming into their district, they can just shift the lines a few miles a certain way and make sure that they hold on to that strong red base that they have. They don't have to mm-hmm. fight into a battleground district. We have battleground districts in the Tampa Bay area, for example, North Tampa, uh, New Tampa, the USF area. That that's the seat that I ran for in 2010. That's a battleground district that has shifted from Republican to Democrat uh, multiple times over the past decade. Well, and you know. Democrat right now, though. Yeah, and, but, but with redistricting, that could easily change. All you got to do is move the line just a few miles a certain way. Well, <sighs> there's, there's been a certain
1: browning of uh, West Tampa. That, that's kind of shifted the thing. We've had all sorts of population shifts. And, and these things uh, sometimes negate themselves into new districts that are more realistic. I'd love to see Sabatini get, get voted out in Polk County, but I don't see his district being touched at all. As far as that's concerned, they, they already put him in the basement over the, in the Capitol building. <laughs> He's the only office in the in the basement, and the Republicans put him there. But uh, we don't see any any way of uh, getting him out of that particular office. So, for the good folks in Howie in the Hills, sorry, it's just the way it is. But one person asked me asked me a question that I was probably going to ask uh, Commissioner Freed as well: Is what is the most important change I think is needed in the in the cannabis uh, regulations right now? Well, hold on, Gary. Before you do that,
2: it sounds like it's time for a moment of clarity. okay.
0: Oh, shit. Oh, oh, gosh. Oh. Um, <laughs> I'm fucking up. I got to admit that. I'm fucking oh, up. Oh, that works out I, well. Uh... <laughs> but
1: let, let, let's start out with the title of this thing. Uh, what do we do about a problem like DeSantis? And you can, you can sing along if you like. But the fact is we do have issues regards to the current governor. As we had mentioned earlier, he has been saying after he established Flower and after he went and put in those eight dispensaries that, that, that got their, their licenses from him, that essentially all the action towards our movement stopped at that point in time, and they he started backing off. He has said in the past that uh, as far as adult use is concerned, it's not gonna happen on his watch. And we know the way that, that Tallahassee works. We know that the fact that there's, it's very much a top-down situation where leadership often dictates what the legislature does. Even though there is supposed to be a separation between the executive branch and the legislative branch, you'll often find the executive branch dictating to the legislative branch what the goals are. And sometimes they follow along, sometimes they don't. I've seen, I've seen some pushback from the Senate, but from the House, they're all in. And mm-hmm. so oftentimes what DeSantis says goes. So if maybe the situation is we need to get a different governor. <laughs> As you may have heard before from some other people, make, we we need somebody else with a little broader idea.
0: Uh-huh. I, mean, well,
1: I mean, DeSantis has said in the past that everybody he knows who uh, was on <clears throat> on cannabis uh, from, uh, for medicinal reasons, so to speak, are right now ne'er-do-wells that don't have jobs and things of that sort. Yeah. Well, I mean – DeSantis grew up in a neighborhood where the, the worst disease they had there was in, was influenza. As in, as in, as, in, as you know, what is what is the word they use?
2: It's affluenza Gary. Affluenza. Affluenza.
1: like affable. <laughs> yeah, affluenza. Yeah, I screwed up that joke, didn't I? But the fact is, I don't think that he gets the gist of what what is needed here. And the people who need to use cannabis as medicine, a lot of them are not rich, believe it or not. And yet we we've been fighting over this last week in regards to. Uh, whether we or not we can get 2.5 ounces or four four ounces at a time, and to be honest with you, I don't know how anybody can afford four ounces in the current prices that we have right now. And one of the things, one of the reasons that we don't have good competition in prices is because in Florida we don't have retailers as far as cannabis is concerned, not the CBD kind, of the other kind, and we don't have wholesalers. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that wholesalers does is they don't just supply product to the, to the retailer; they also give them guidance. They also, they also vet the products before they get them. Now, the guys in the gas station, they, they get their stuff from wholesalers, but they have no idea what, what, what they're actually putting in there. They just put it in there. But as far as shops like like Chillum, they're more discerning because they have a more discerning public. And so, therefore, if we had concerned wholesalers that fill retailers with shops, we could have retail shops that carry as many as 20, 30, 40 brands, not to worry about going to a dispensary and have them be out of the product that you need. or or have or have no alternative for that so i would like to push if at all possible to get retailers and wholesalers into the market so even if we do have um, verticals in regards to the cultivators and stuff if we can use those as brands and have retailers and wholesalers that'd be one step up towards better pricing and possibly even better quality and things of that sort what do you think chris
2: well, I think that the vertical integration presents a problem because if you can qualify and get a license, you don't necessarily have to have any experience in growing cannabis, which is the system we have now. There's the reason why there's so much corporate boof on the market is because you have you know dispensaries, MMTCs that are growing it because it's vertical. They have to grow it in order to put it out there, and they're putting out subpar products. They don't treat their workers well. You know, folks are telling you know have told us and in, in, in other news outlets in the cannabis space and they work 10 and 12 hour days in their underwear sweating their asses off in hoop houses uh, producing moldy subpar medicine. And it, it, it just doesn't work. I mean, we were on a call earlier this week with the Office of Medical Marijuana Use and I recall last week we, we were jumping on the governor of Mississippi's head because he said 3.5 grams per day for a patient is absolutely too much weed. That's a, a, like 11 joints. And I'm thinking, how
0: a small running. do you roll your... Yeah, how <laughs> (laughs)
2: do you roll your joints dude but but more than that when i did the math for us here in florida we have a rolling 35 day allotment
1: and you don't want to confuse your joints with with wrapped toothpicks i guess that's important to have make sure you have the right size
2: well what concerns me is that here in florida if it's a 2.5 ounces for 30 days and you do the 35 days you do the math that's only two grams a day for a patient you know that's ludicrous that you think people with chronic debilitating conditions can only smoke two grams a day now to be clear that only applies to smokable flour it does not apply those limits on concentrates. so carlos someone like yourself you called it last week like hey i'm good this doesn't affect me but if you're a, a patient who smokes i mean that's a major concern two grams yeah. a day that, that's, I mean, come on, man. What is this? A Soviet Russia? The fuck out of here? You, is? you, can, yeah, you can compensate
1: with con- concentrates, and especially RSO for, pa- for, for cancer patients, because the limit there is so much greater as far as amount of THC that you could consume to, to treat your condition as opposed to using flour, which is unfortunate because in Israel and other places, it is flour that is being used as their medical product, and not necessarily the concentrates.
0: Well, yeah, they I, could even you know, use what, it in
1: their
2: hospitals in Israel. I mean, that, that,
1: that happen, that's that's medicine.
0: What's going to happen in Florida is it's just going to push people to use the concentrates. People aren't going to get the relief that they need from the flour, and it's just going to push them on to like harder shit. Like it, it reminds me of like it, it like shit like this happens all the time with marijuana. Like even when you put somebody on probation for marijuana, a lot of times they just graduate to harder drugs. Like they just look for something else to fucking medicate with, right? Here is a case where somebody has uh, medical ability to get to get THC. They want to use the, the weak stuff, but the government's like saying, "No, no, 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 no. We have all these concentrates and all this RSO and all these tinctures and all these edibles here for you to use. You, you don't need to smoke it. That's icky."
1: Now, one of the things that, that we were dis- was discussed on that call this last week was the fact they felt that. Um, the, the director of OMMU felt that, that the, the uh, legacy market was not making a large impact because he didn't see any data, which verified the fact that, it, that people were buying from the legacy market. And I said, well, why don't you do a survey to actually find out? Because you don't have enough data. And if, if the OMMU is strictly driven by data, then you need to actually get some. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. Because if you asked the current... Uh, patients right now who have medical cards, how often they have to use uh, a product from the the, uh, legacy market to fill that gap that they can't get through the MMTCs or whatever. You'd find out that that number is a lot larger. In fact, countrywide, the legacy market is 15 times the size of the legal market. And that is kind of like a huge thing. Hmm. That is is where that comes from. But we need to, to to fix a lot of things in the the program, and that is just one of them. And also, Chris, before uh, you right after you got off the call, I asked the uh, um, the director to come on our show, and he said, well, "Let me put it through the lawyers first, and make certain that, every, that, that, and I'll give you a list of what things we can say, what we can't say." And I say, "Boy, that doesn't sound restrictive."
2: Well, I, I, you know, restrictive like our program. Well, you know, what I what I find is uh, I think the comments that are coming in, the listeners, those are the people who need to put these politicians in the hot seat. Yeah. Um, you know, in many cases, especially the bureaucrats who are appointed by politicians, it's like, well, if if the governor has appointed you to do this job, then you need to do this job to the best of your ability. I mean, for me, as someone who has a master's in public administration, that's what, you know, when I was at USF, we were always trained on do the best job possible for the people with the highest effort ethical standards. And that is what we're seeing from our bureaucrats here in Florida is they're failing to do. They're not looking at the common sense. They're not looking at what the people's needs are. In many ways, they're carrying out through the bureaucracy political agendas. And that's why I was so critical originally of House Bill 679, because I, when I asked Rep Learned about that a couple weeks back, I felt as though, wow, well, if you allow medical experts uh who have a prohibitionist uh you know opinion and slant to what they're doing then that gets accepted as scientific fact and they can put up bulk science and bulk studies uh consistently that you know to, to continue to push this 1980s narrative that the cannabis fries your brain
1: and we, we do need more studies believe it or not not necessarily to uh to prove it to us because we as patients already know what we need to know but somehow to convince the legislators to push the uh legislation forward. Like, I've been talking to Sheriff Cronister, Sheriff Walterry, about the use of, of cannabis and even just CBD to uh, officers or first responders who uh, have PTSD, and if they use it when they're off-duty and uh, not on call, does it affect their performance whatsoever? <clears throat> and they are actually saying, well, we need to see some research on that first. So my amendment for the, uh, the employment bill, if we can get it to get on committee, would be to set up that, that research thing with USF yeah, you guys are listening to me now. I know you got an administrative fee and you're just doing this bit right now. Okay. But uh, if we can get USF to go ahead and, and help, help spirit head that research. To verify the fact that the first responders can actually get treatment through cannabis without affecting their performance, but except for in a positive way, because you're, if you eliminate the PTSD, you eliminate the kind of elimination, that, that hesitation that comes with PTSD when they're at a first responder situation. You don't want those guys having to hesitate because they're suddenly getting that that anxiety attack that comes with PTSD.
2: I mean, you know, firefighters, EMTs see some of the worst, horribly, you know, things when it comes to humanity. You see people die in front of you. You have to drag half-burned bodies out of a building. These people need access to this life-saving measure. Not to mention, you know, we talk about uh, cops as first responders. Look, I I have as much issue with policing as possible, but I firmly feel as though if more cops smoke weed, we'd have less issue with our cops on the streets.
1: You have you have issues with the cops on our street?
2: I'm sorry, Gary. When, uh, <laughs> did the Tampa Police Department all of a sudden <laughs> stop beating up minorities for breakfast? Uh, did Jane Castor just suddenly reform the DUI unit and they stop pulling people over for money? I'm sorry. There, I, I, maybe maybe last night when I went to sleep, things changed overnight. Last I could tell, we have a corrupt city government that covers up police abuse. Uh, you know, last time I checked. Well, Mayor Castor,
1: I know you're listening.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I <doubt> Mayor it. <laughs> Castor, if
1: you he can hear me I it. know Grady Judd's listening but, I don't know about Jane Castor Yeah, we know that Grady Judd is, is, is definitely listening to our show But Total Mayor pain. Castor, if you don't hear this if you're not listening to it, maybe somebody can bring it to your attention because we know that you are one of the very few people that does not have a hangover from Gasparilla because you weren't drinking last night You were you were in, in charge of a massive event and I think you did you guys did a really good job We only had like a dozen arrests yesterday but we'd love to have you on the show and and talk about some of these matters and see just where your ideas are. I mean, we are moving forward with things. This last week, I was uh, in Tallahassee, and we, we I was with uh, Rep. Joseph and her bill in regards to uh, decriminalization. It also has a, a decent clemency part to it, but the <clears throat> the expungement part was a little too weak. And you can't have uh, clemency without expungement. I'm sorry, it, those two things for for those folks who don't have the definitions right. Chris, you want to go ahead and explain the difference between expungement and, and uh, clemency? Well, um, you know,
2: clemency is shortening people's terms, letting people out of prison. Expungement is cleaning up the records and the paperwork on the back end, which is such a vital part of the social equity aspect of cannabis legalization. People who have went to jail for trying to pay their bills with weed money should not be in jail if the government is using weed money to pay its bills. In kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like having somebody be released
1: from prison and they're put in the middle of a, of a cold field with no gl- clothes on and, and four miles from the nearest town and say, you're on your own.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> See, I mean, so it's, if, it, if you have it's right. you've got to have expungement, that's all there is to it.
2: Well, and that's part of the issue that we continue to have is that in many states you're seeing progress towards a, a, a you know recreational market. You're seeing a vibrant industry, but people are getting left behind as victims of the war on drugs. And that is something that cannot happen. We have to bring people along. We've worked with the Last Prisoner Project, and I think it's important that no one should be in jail for cannabis possession, cannabis distribution. You know, when the states themselves are, are allowing people to possess it and, and and are allowing the, these the multi-billion dollar companies to distribute it.
1: Now, we still have federal illegalization. <laughs> as, because it's still pretty much an active act as, as far as keeping it illegal. I think that oftentimes they, they push against legalization in, in D.C. And in some cases, I actually understand where they're coming from, not from uh, their standpoint, but from my standpoint, that if we do have federal legalization, then corporate cannabis may be the norm. Uh, when the folks in Coca-Cola and uh, Atria and, and those kind of folks start taking over the industry, there will be no chance for any boutique grows or things of that sort. We'll only have large corporations. Now, I, I often got kind of antsy about Soterra when they were constantly putting in CEOs that were presidents of various like, alcohol companies or, or Coca-Cola or Pepsi and things of that sort. They had the guy who was head of Patron at one point in time his head. And now, of course, the CEO of Soterra, by the way, who is not Jake Bergman, <laughs> but that is, is actually Bo Wrigley, the head of the Wrigley Gum Factory, uh, and by the way, he's suing the people who made uh, who did these strain called Skittles, which is also a uh, a product that, that comes out of uh, out of Wrigley Gum because they're using that name even though they use a Z instead of an
2: S. I mean, Gorilla Glue went through the same thing, you know. The Girl Scout cookies, man. Girl Scout cookies. You you know, as the cannabis industry becomes legal, there you're going to have to compete with legal trademark infringement. I mean, you see it all the time uh, with branding and such. Um, If if you have a unique cultivar, I think that's something that also we need to open up. Is you know, why can't I get a patent or a trademark? on this strain that I've developed, right? The US government is still falling short uh, on, on that as well. I mean, you know, if, if you're gonna say I can't call my stuff Gorilla Glue, well at least let me get a patent or a trademark uh, for what I can call it.
1: But uh, as far as naming strains are concerned, I know some people, they, they do some very heavy sativating when they start thinking of names for their strains. We got wedding cake and this and that, the other thing. But try to stay away from other people's tra- uh, uh, trademarks with all due respect they worked hard at their own brands and their own trademarks, just come up with something that is unique to your own and not necessarily the the name of, for instance, I saw a chocolate bar that that says Mr. Goodweed and and (laughs) and it's yellow and red and looks exactly like a, like a Mr. Good bar. And that is the kind of issues that spur uh, regulations that say things like you need to stop moving your products towards minors. They aren't doing it intentionally necessarily. They're actually you know, having people get that little nostalgic thing back with the thing things they used to eat when they were kids. Mm. But the actual kids are more attracted to the things that look exactly like the candies they're eating right now. And of course if people aren't smart enough to keep their product away from kids, which they need to do just as much as they need to put their firearms away from kids, uh, then then problems can happen. So let's just kinda cut the difference.
0: And then there's the strain names that are just like irresponsibly named like Capis or Al- Alaskan Thunderfuck. And it's like, you know. Hey, like you're gonna to remember the remember that thunder fuck is the bomb. <laughs> Don't you shit well, like, on You're going to remember <laughs> like that. But, like, if I'm say my grandma needs medical marijuana and, like, the strain she needs is cat piss, how the fuck am I going to get my grandma to fucking smoke cat piss?
1: Or for that matter, what is that new one called Grandpa's Breath?
0: Or garlic. Garlic <laughs> Breath.
1: Yeah, and garlic. It was a cross between garlic breath and, and Grandpa's dentures or
0: something oh, like really? that. Oh, Really? Oh shit. I want to, I want to smoke grandpa's breath now. I'm getting well, excited.
2: Speaking of potent, uh, uh, weed, Carlos, um, THCO, you know, that's okay. something that, that has been on the, on the uh, talk of folks. Do you have THCO products in your store? Of course I do. Okay. So, you know, for those folks who don't know, uh, THCO acetate was something that was actually discovered, uh during the 1940s and uh, all the way up to the seventies by the United States military. Mm-hmm and they actually experimented uh, with soldiers uh, up in Maryland uh, called the Edgewood Arsenal Experiments. You can actually go to the VA website and learn a lot about this, but uh, basically they discovered this THC acetate, which is 30 times stronger than Delta 9 THC, and essentially they were trying to figure out a way to weaponize it. Basically, if they can drop a bomb on either Russians or Vietnamese or communists, whoever the U.S. military, (laughs) and get them so high that they can't function as soldiers, which was one of the the original long term goals of the program, uh, obviously, it puttered out. And the U.S. government didn't go anywhere with it. But when you watch movies like Pineapple Express, and it's like, wow, that actually happened. There was some guy who was a soldier. They were testing it out, and he was like, "This is pretty good shit." <laughs> <laughs>
0: there's a uh, there's a lot of people get freaked out with uh, the idea of an acetate with THC, but it's like if you had aspirin, you've had an acetate. Like there's there's a lot of different acetates out there used in like over the counter medicine. Gary could probably touch on that a little bit.
1: Well, yeah, because we had a situation a couple of years ago where people were thickening out uh, bad oils by, by adding in uh, vitamin E acetate, and which was basically in, in, in creams and lotions and, and makeup, but it's not supposed to be ingested. And here we have people who are, who are being told to go ahead and ingest it by breathing it in and after, after heating it up. And that's why people were, were getting severe uh, illness, what they called uh, respiratory uh, vape disease, and mm. it practically destroyed the industry. But it was all basically from the black market where people were trying to cut corners and trying to put in as little oil as possible by cutting it with extra oil and then thickening it up because people realize that if you turn the, the uh, pen back and forth and see the bubble fly up and down, that is weak shit. Hmm. So that is that is what happened. And then hopefully, again, one of the issues in regards to the legacy market, of course, is the fact that they have no regulation. And now I will tell you that from the very beginning, I am not a fan of regulation, but then again, those people who refuse to just do the ethical thing, to have the ethical standards, they need to be regulated. I mean, it sounds like a mandate. Nobody likes mandates, right? But I would like to mandate to have a safe product as opposed to just anything they want to put out and
2: anything we'll we'll pay for. Well, speaking of safe products, Carlos, don't you have a product to review
0: today on the show? You're just keeping us moving along now, aren't you?
2: You know?
1: (laughs) We're talking about concentrates, but, but how do you take
0: a concentrate? How do you? How do you take, do a, you concentrate? take a
1: Concentrate? You yeah, show either,
0: us. You can either dab it or eat it. Well, don't just talk about I'm it. Not, I'm not. I'm not gonna eat it. I'm gonna dab it. <laughs> no, um, well, I. I particularly want uh, to. We're we're gonna go ahead. We're gonna start the chillum scrutiny here. One second. Let's start this off right. Yeah. This 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 topic. So. The product that we will be reviewing today is by MJ Arsenal, and I cannot see the name of the rig. What's the name? Liv. What's the name of this rig again? You remember? The Bella by MJ Arsenal. This is a recycler, right? That's pink and purple. And Gary, can you tell me why MJ Arsenal products are freaking cool as fuck? Because they're cute, and they're pretty,
1: and they have that purplish pink thing and this it, is this it. a bunch of stacked hearts and it's kind of like the perfect valentine's gift that is a reminder we got february 14th coming up in a few weeks the perfect valentine's gift
0: you know you're actually correct sir like it's the cuteness has a lot to do with the science behind this product so mj arsenal products are known for being rather small right that's a pretty small rig it can basically the size of my hand um And what they did was they realized that if there's a lot of airflow through the pipe, then you actually destroy terpene content. So the smaller the pipe, the better. This is actually one of their bigger pipes. So you're saying that more oxidation occurs when
1: you put it through too much
0: air? um, Yeah, whatever, science.
1: As opposed to decarboxylation.
0: Um, I think it's just that um, they have like a diagram on the side of their box, right? So for a rig like this, right, the terpene content kind of just fills up the entire rig. But if you got a rig like that, that said high, right, then you're only getting about that much terpene content in the rig, and you're kind of destroying uh, the effects of the terpenes.
1: Well, back in the 80s, I had a three-foot-tall bamboo bong. I'm sorry, water pipe. You
0: can say bong. It don't matter.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, you got to be careful of those things. Sort of things. But, but – the fact was that the uh, the product that I was smoking at that point in time wasn't much better than the than the grass on the lawn, or, right. or a bag of catnip, for that matter. So it, it, there wasn't really any loss there.
0: Yeah, terpenes have kind of become like uh, the 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 pushing science. Like a lot of people like will say they understand terpenes and then come into a dispensary and then ask for like what's the highest percentage of THC that you got. But people are really starting to now notice terpenes, and even if you don't really know how to fucking Pick out your weed right uh it's based off of terpene content but you still know that terpenes are important you know well i was stuck in
1: traffic the other day and there was a a bright purple maserati in front of me
0: Uh uh-huh and at the at the stoplight while while you're telling the story i'm going to heat up the rig that's exactly why i'm
1: doing it (laughs) while we're at the stoplight the guy is just revving up his engine you can tell just how much power there must be like 200 300 horsepower to this fantastic engine and he revs and revs it up and then as soon as the light turns green he takes off at 10 miles an hour down the street. I say, what a waste of manpower. But maybe he understands that you have to have some kind of control over all that power.
0: So get it? I don't know if you noticed. But this is a recycler. So the water that's in here will end up in the apart. Ha Ha! Ha ha! <laughs> you want to do a dab, Gary? <laughs> oh God.
1: Considering that my lungs are not as strong as yours, I, I think I'm gonna hold off on that.
0: What are you guys looking at? <laughs> <coughs> yeah,
2: yeah, Carlos. <coughs> We're looking at you cough your lungs out in the middle of a fucking pandemic, Carlos. That's what they're all looking at you,
1: buddy.
0: <laughs> I think I just lost my right eardrum there. Oh, I got dab sweats. Oh. <laughs> uh. This is uh, how do we rate these? I got I give this five out of five chillums. <coughs> it's because of the recycling um, <coughs> nature of having it go through a couple different cycles through the water. That's the thing; it still hits hard, but it actually tastes good. I, I swear I'm coughing a lot, but it tastes really good. It tasted very citrusy. For it's those of you who've never been, been around it. Carlos smoking,
2: he always coughs like that after a dab. Doesn't it doesn't matter what it is. Because yeah,
1: cigarettes. Ah, okay. Now, terpenes for people who don't know are esters, <coughs> which means that they impart <coughs> the taste and smell of the cannabis. And obviously, there, according a, to, the, to our governor, small. there's one that makes it taste like rotting meat. But in fact, I've never had a product that smells like rotting meat or tastes like rotting meat. But we do <coughs> have ones that have mango scent to it and pine scent to it, <coughs> you know, myrcene and pinene, or uh, linalool, which has lavender in it, which is which is calming.
0: If you had one that tasted like rot or smelled like rotted meat, then it would be putrid.
1: <laughs> That's exactly right? what I'm saying. Yeah. And it, and as far as it's concerned, if you have a high THC, <coughs> but you don't have any terpenes, it's like having a muscle car with no steering wheel. It's essentially, it essentially will go around in circles or it won't go anywhere. That's why when they had a synthetic Marinol, uh, it basically created a lot of anxiety in people that had it because... The THC had no <laughs> no guiding principles to it. And so that's one of the reasons that Marinol never worked.
2: <coughs> you know, it's important that, that uh, you know, if folks are dabbing, and one of the things Carlos did, to use the blowtorch. Uh, you know, if you want to get scientific with, <coughs> with your medicine, utilizing an e-nail so that way you're combusting at the right temperatures is important when it comes to terpenes. Uh, you know, certain terpenes and certain cannabinoids actually combust at different temperatures. And like you said, Gary, if you have too hot of a dab, you'll get all that THC and you won't get any of the flavor. And THC actually burns at a, at a higher temperature, it's at 200, 234
1: degrees Fahrenheit, whereas a lot of the terpenes actually uh, vaporate at a much lower temperature, like 180 to 190. So if you want a, a better, a more terpy attitude, then use an e-nail that has a temperature gauge where you can dial it down just a little bit.
0: Well, I just so happened to have gifted uh, Kano there a Puffco Peak for Christmas. Um, you know, that happens to be a perfect time to ask you how, how are those dabs tasting off of that Puffco Peak? So the best part about the Puffco Peak is it comes with multiple settings. There's like a, uh, and,
2: it, and they're color coded. So like a uh, white is like the hottest setting. A uh, Red is like the next hottest. And then there's a, a green setting and there's a blue setting. And I can tell you that, um, you know, e- dabbing a, a, at either a blue or a green setting gets you much more flavor. Uh, but if you just wanna get punched in your lungs like you just did, go ahead and, and dial it up to the red one or even the white one if you're feeling adventurous. Uh, but point being is I think for a lot of patients patients, that can make sense too, depending on what's happening Uh, for people with like chronic anxiety. If you're having a panic attack, sometimes you just need something to punch you in the lungs. So you'll sit down and calm down right. Uh, Versus someone who, you know, if you, if you're up at work and you're trying to face the day, you're like, I don't want to go to work. (laughs) Well, you know, a a nice low temp dab, uh, you know, to get those terpenes out to get you going to calm you down, I think is important. So um, again, with your medicine, you got to do your research, but you got to find what works best for you. I encourage people all the time. If you're a medical marijuana patient, keep a journal, uh, write down what strain you're using. Write down your method of ingestion. Write down, you know, what temperature you're smoking it at. If you if you can uh, get that scientific with it, and find your sweet spot for what works for you. Always go low, start slow, and work your way up to where you need to be. Uh, for some people, you know, that's why they're like, "Oh, I tried edibles, I didn't like them, I had a bad experience." Well, duh, you shouldn't probably pop four and five cookies because you're hungry. You should take it slow. <laughs> start with one. <laughs> Wait for it to kick in and then, and then you know, upgrade if you need more.
1: That is the issue when you get that little hunger ping ahead of time. So don't don't go with edibles and start smoking ahead of time because you will get munched in some, not in all strains, but in some strains and end up taking too many edibles. Do so, not
0: get the munchies and eat edibles. That is a yeah, bad is combination. Cost- the day well i guess uh i guess uh we're gonna have to save nikki free for another show huh
1: it doesn't sound like she made it here on time so we, yeah unfortunately we, we apologize
0: to everybody who couldn't yeah. come. She,
1: she had a, a personal issue and of course the people who are running for offices the people who are in offices actually do we have real lives outside yeah. of office and so we need to be, be, be cautious of that and we'll continue to get more of your questions. I noticed that when the questions came in that we were, we were asking to be asked, they came out in like two or three categories, two main categories, where the, the, the biggest ones were false information that, were, that had to do with, with their per, per personal life and questions where you can clearly tell the person who was asking the question does not know what she does.
2: Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah I saw one of those. I posted, you know, hey, Commissioner Freeze coming on the show, and they said, why is she running for governor? You can't even run the medical marijuana program. I'm like, she doesn't <laughs> run the medical marijuana program. The <laughs> <current> governor does.
0: <laughs> everybody, everybody, were in the, what I posted was like, why didn't I get a license? Why, why isn't this happening? Why isn't that happening? I'm like, dude, you know she fucking runs hemp. She doesn't run cannabis. She runs hemp, and they're like, "No, but she's dating the the CEO Suterius." Like, how like how many levels are you wrong right now? <laughs> well, and the the most accurate thing that that they said though, like the most like to to give her general questions is the fact that she's running for governor, and she should just have these answers, you know.
1: Well, in the case that the fact that geez, we're working for governor is, is one of the best reasons if you are a single issue voter and you, your, your concern has to do with the health aspects of the uh, cannabis program as, as far as it's working right and working compliant, then you do want somebody in the executive office because in Florida, the executive office runs the Department of Health. And currently, with current law, they are in charge of the program. It's, it's why we wanted to get the director of the OMMU on because he works directly underneath and at, at the pleasure of the governor because that, it, actually through the Surgeon General and then the Governor, because that's, that's the hierarchy there. Although I would like to skip the uh, Surgeon General right now, because I think he's kind of a wackadoodle. Mm-hmm. With all due respect.
0: Uh, and on that note, unless you guys have anything else to say, let's just go ahead and end the show, because that guy is a wackadoodle. I just <laughs> want to see
2: Carlos take another dab.
0: <laughs> I'll, I'll help you out. <laughs> okay. <we should> <laughs> no.
1: First off, on a program note, Next week, we are going to have Bruce Linton on, and he is the uh, founder of Cannabis Canopy Growth, one of the largest cannabis companies in, uh, in North America coming out of Canada.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: he's going to give us a clue as to what the heck is going on uh, in the Great White North and why their program is better or worse than
0: ours. And, and I'm pretty sure that we'll get Nikki on here sooner or later. Unfortunately, yeah. I hope everything's okay with No, that.
2: thoughts and prayers go out to Commissioner Freed as she deals with, you know, her personal issues and such. Um, you know, I know that I saw in the comments, you know, some folks are slamming her on, on some personal issues. And look, look, uh, when people run for office, yeah, your personal life becomes public. You you end up under a lot of scrutiny. I'm not going to make any excuses for the things that people do in their personal life, but we got to also treat people as humans, too. I mean, we live in an era where cyberbullying is at an all time high, where people, you know, we have freedom of speech, but you you got to be responsible with that freedom of speech, too. Um, you know, I, I call people out all the time, uh, but I'm not willing to push someone to the point where I'm like, kill yourself. Unless you're, you know, uh, one of those guys who's actually smokes weed and you want to keep it illegal, then, you know, uh, yeah, I'm at that point.
1: Kill your I mean, we, are, we are still in, in primary season at this point in time. So it's interesting that, how you see people in, both in the same party attacking each other and using op- opposition research, which is where you try to dig up things. And in some cases, they actually don't dig up things, but create things. I mean, this is this goes back to the Revolutionary War. This goes back to where, when Quincy Adams was was, uh, was president, they used to use fake news as opera, as opposition research and try to propagate it in order to get somebody in office. So. Scrutinizing Gary, this right. country
2: hasn't changed. During the Civil War, we had you know Democrat newspapers and Republican newspapers, and and you know they would print two different stories of the same battles that happened, and and we're still in that society here. Uh In the grand scheme of things, and I, I see in the comments, oh, you okay. got to support oh, the politicians that support like you. Just came on. Oh well, Commissioner Free is going to be joining us. So hey, Commissioner, how you doing? Hello,
3: hello guys. Hey. So late, if things came up this morning. I apologize.
2: Hey, we we were just rapping about how how politicians are humans, too. And sometimes you you get uh, put on unfair standards. So we're glad that everything worked out where you could join us.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. So what were you guys talking about this morning?
0: Well, we were about to we were about to end the show. (laughs) But now that you're here, now that you're here, we'll keep going.
3: Definitely come back on another time when um, I can spend some more time with you guys and we can talk all about what's not happening in florida and what needs to happen in florida
2: well Well, i'm glad you mentioned that that was what we were touching on is some of the uh, happenings in other states Uh, for example in new hampshire their supreme court just ruled that medical marijuana patients do essentially qualify as disabled persons and therefore employers should make reasonable accommodations gary and i have been pushing for employment protections for several years now and because of political realities we can't get it to go anywhere in the florida legislature
3: Yeah, it's a problem you know that's a real big problem i mean because look at the end of the day you know we hear these stories we we all do you know what whatever it is um and the fact the matter is that i can't protect these people who are trying to use this as medicine trying to make their lives better and you know i'd rather them sit and, and you know have to take an edible at night um versus you know getting drunk every night you know, or what other types of of pharmaceutical drugs that they may choose to take to relieve any of their pain and suffering. And people are choosing for a medicinal, healthy, natural way, um, to go through through their life, and you know, I even and I say this a lot. My my step um, is HIV positive, and and so he has had a really difficult time. You know, one on lots of you know the social stuff uh, aspects of things, but on the med- medical side, you know, it's really taking a huge toll on his body. And the pain that he has to take from all the other medications that he's on, and he finally, but he's also a medical marijuana, you know, user um, to help with some of the pain. And after, you know, he's finally gotten a stable job, and he calls me like a three weeks ago to a month ago, and he's like, "Hey, is it a, like they're going to test me?" And I was like, "Well, what do you mean?" He's like, "I thought would wouldn't you have known that before, um, before like you took the job?" He's like, "No, they just changed their policy that they're going to do drug testing." And I was like, well, let them know that like, this is a medical and he's like, he's gonna get fired. Um, and and because he, he's gonna test positive. And so that, that sucks, that sucks. And there's nothing I can do to to protect my own stepbrother, you know, make sure that he's got a job and that he's being safe and feels well. Um, and I hear those stories all the time from teachers to first responders, I mean, even people in my own department who are um, coming out, I don't want to say coming out of the closet, but coming out and saying I, I take medical marijuana. And one, um, one of my firefighters actually uh, got you know tested positive, and um, and unfortunately he can't. He's losing some of his federal cred- credentials. Nothing I can even do to to help him. To and that gets tied to pay increases inside of the department when he has different certifications, and mm. it sucks. And I can't, I don't know how the legislature doesn't hear these stories all the time from their constituents and not want to put these protections in. Um, It's just crazy.
1: Now, Representative Joseph put out a bill this last week in regards to decriminalizing a lot of the medications, especially for people who have have to take what currently are considered schedule one, schedule two drugs for, for their conditions. And she's talking about the fact that it does have a clemency piece in it, but not really much of an expungement piece. You serve on the clemency board. How yep. often do they give clemency?
3: <laughs> well, Gary, as you as you know, they continue that the governor continues one to cancel clemency meetings. Um, we cancel over the pandemic at least two uh, people that have been waiting on, you know, waiting for 10 years to get in front of us. And unfortunately, the number under this governor um, for those that have actually received clemency um, is worse than Rick Scott. Um, it's, let's put that out there um, and so it's it's pretty bad and uh, hearing it we do have changed some of the rules um, so that there is more of an automatic that if you are certain offenders and kind of a little bit how they implemented amendment Four. Um, which could be a whole nother soapbox. Um, but, you know, so, so we've changed the clemency rules to kind of mirror that of Amendment 4, um, which means you still need to, if you're trying to get your firearms and some other types of, of um, rights back, you still have to go in front of the clemency process. And if you have um, not paid your fines and fees, then you're also not gonna have clemency either and get your rights back. Uh, it is a, we are the one of the only states that does it this way.
2: Well, Commissioner, hold on, Gary. Yeah. That was a good segue. And when you mentioned about firearms, um, you know, the, the South Carolina Senate is pushing their medical marijuana bill uh, through their legislature. And their bill looks a lot like ours used to back in you know 2017. They're not allowing for smokable cannabis. And they're, they're specifically going to deny uh, the Second Amendment rights and the rights to firearms to medical marijuana patients. I know that U.S. Commissioner of Agriculture get to oversee our concealed weapons permits. And you have a different take on that, could you share with us a little bit about your take on firearms and medical marijuana?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've been very public and very open. I've got both cards, um, that as, as I've looked at one, neither department of health, when you're applying for your medical marijuana card or when you're getting your concealed weapons permit, no programs ask or even look at the, each of the other registries. So that that's first off second of all, because of the concealed program is a creature of statute. Um, I have looked through the statute that there's nothing that I have personally found um, that precludes somebody from getting a medical marijuana card. So I don't see a conflict between the statutes of getting a concealed permit carry and carrying and actually getting your medical marijuana card. Here is where the kicker comes into place. The ATF forms to purchasing a new gun that is out of my control and out of my purview and i'm working on fixing that i'm not gonna spill the beans on what that what i am talking about um but um there is a there that is the problem is because in the atf form i think it's question number 10 echo that says, are you under, do you are under the control of, or have been addicted to a controlled something, somethings. It's something like that is the questioning. And then they've added an asterisk within, and I have to go back and see exactly when it was done, but probably within the last five years, they've added an asterisk on there that specifically says, even if your state has legalized or has a medicinal program, it is still federally illegal. And you have to say yes to this question. So that is the fundamental problem is on the federal side. I see nothing on the holding of two cards. It's the purchasing of a new gun that is the problem.
1: Now, let me ask you a question. Does having a DUI uh, disqualify you from getting a uh, carry permit or getting a gun permit? Uh, No. Isn't that amazing? For some odd reason, uh, alcohol, which causes people to do kind of crazy things, uh, it does not disqualify you from having a gun and shooting up wherever you want when you're drunk. But I would guess that the average person who is using cannabis as as medicine is not going to be as interested in, in grabbing a gun and firing at anybody when they feel upset.
3: Correct. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I am sorry that I get kept you guys longer than you typically expect to, but please know that I will – I will be coming back, and it sounds like my fire alarm is picking up some some noise here. Um, So uh, thank you guys for understanding a little bit. Please know that um, I'm with you all. I'm in this fight together, and I am looking forward um, to spending some more time talking about these issues and uh, getting us to where we need to be in a society, uh, which is stop the overregulation. This is a plant this is a, a natural plant that you know people have been getting relief from um, since Moses uh, you know <laughs> since the beginning of time uh, and it's time to stop uh, the regulation of this and you know sure we need some you know some regulations to make sure that it's safe um, for patients and safe for people um, I'm not opposed to home grow um, I'm not opposed to that at all look as agriculture commissioner my people are, are growing tomatoes at home, and and people are growing t- uh, you know strawberries and blueberries and have their own citrus trees. Um, why would this be any different, especially um, because of the, the the medicinal aspect of it? Um, we need more research. Uh, we all know the the benefits of it, but but certainly getting the, some more of our scientific research done. And I'm just i uh, really excited that you guys have these podcasts and uh, that I can be on for a little bit. Well, Mickey, Commissioner,
2: uh, just real two quick things before you go. And, and Carlos, I know you have some too, but one of the, uh, some of our members have concerns is you've done a fantastic job as commissioner and rolling out our hemp program. Uh, what does the future spell for your successor? Uh, you know, do you think that if you have a successor, uh, you know, outside of your own party as commissioner of agriculture, that our hemp program is going to go backwards or, or is that something that's here to stay?
3: I have no doubt it's here to stay, you know, because it got, let's remember how the hemp program was, was created and was passed, unanimous from the legislature, you know, so it is on both sides. I think that on no matter the three, you know, um, the committees on both sides. I think there was one no vote on the floor um, of the House, but everybody else voted for it because this is a nonpartisan issue. Uh, you know, sure, I see it from a different lens. I see it from wanting to, uh, to expand the cannabis industry, but I, I think that this is good safe. I, most of my agriculture industry members that are growing it are very thankful that we did this, and it would be a real tragedy if whoever comes after me thinks that this is something that they need to roll back, because you'll hear from agriculture. Um, they love this.
2: And then one last thing, Uh, just this week, and Normal has been very vocal about this, Governor DeSantis says that he's not in favor of recreational cannabis because of the putrid odor that uh, it smells. And so we have a link there. Folks can send a message to tell the governor how they feel in their own words. But how do you feel about the governor saying some outlandish thing like
3: that? I think I called him an idiot. I think it was was my, my tweet about it. And I said, obviously, he didn't have fun at Harvard and Yale, that he's taking it out on all of us. Um, <laughs> so I think I've been pretty frank about that, that, you know, we are, we are putting still black and brown men in in jail and in prisons and are risking, you know, billions of dollars worth of capital investment into our state and green jobs, um, so that he can have, uh, not a smell, um, kind of crazy, kind of crazy. What if he that still that smokes the- cigars? I I think you the got the last word here. <laughs>
0: Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Honestly, Nikki, I just wanted to to give you a moment, let people know how uh, they can get in touch with you and how they can support you.
3: Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, It's very easy. Go to my website, NikkiFried.com, that's N-I-K-K-I-F-R-I-E-D. And you've got all of my my bio, all of the things about me, uh, ways to volunteer, ways to donate. And yes, there is a $4.20 link uh, for donations on my website. Uh, and, and so there, there's lots of ways, and of course, you can always follow me on Twitter, Nikki Freed, at Nikki Freed, there's, there's lots of ways to follow and get engaged in this campaign. This campaign is based on you all. Um, it is grassroots. It is going to the issues that people talk about every day. It is not to try to divide our state, not to politicize the, the pandemic. It is truly to say, everybody calm down. If more people probably smoked, we probably wouldn't have a lot of this animosity in our country. Um, but uh, you know, certainly, in that kind of joke, but not really. But uh, you know, so what you see is what you get, and we love for more people to get engaged on this campaign, and certainly for, um, you know, let's 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 turn our time. Let's get legalization as a top priority in my administration, and let's make this happen.
1: Yeah, right now, you're as Commissioner of Agriculture, you're not actually in charge of the medical cannabis program. The state of Florida people were asking us, why hasn't she approved our license yet? Well, you know, <laughs> because you can't. Wait. But as Wait. governor, you can do a heck of a lot more for the medical cannabis program than you can do in your current position. You've done so well for the hemp program. And we'll, we'll be talking about Delta 8 regulation later. But we're looking forward to seeing what you could possibly do uh, in, in in the basement office there.
3: Yep, Absolutely. Well, thanks again for, for having me on today. Sorry for, for being so late.
1: No we'll see you Thank again you. soon. See you Absolutely. Yeah. See
3: Take care, everyone.
0: And yeah, goodbye, everybody. You have been... Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah.
1: This has been The Rotation and you have been a part of it. You can be a bigger part of it by joining Suncoast Normal. Suncoast Normal is an organization that can help you make the change that we all need. Go to the Suncoast Normal website and become a member
0: because that is how you become part of the change. You can find The Rotation Podcast on both SoundCloud and iTunes but you can always join us in the rotation at suncoastnormal.org. At that very website, you can join the cannabis movement by becoming a member of Suncoast Normal, gain access to cannabis events, cannabis info, Normal's legal network, and even a free membership to National. all by joining Suncoast Normal. That website, again, is suncoastnorml.org. You can also find us on social media at suncoastnormal. Uh, Find us on both Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you, Gary, and good night. Good night.